¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome back to my primos podcast. With me tonight is my primo and yours, Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. Yo. Yeah. Yo. I like how you always add the dot com at the end. I, I'm very proud to own that URL. I may not do much with it. It may not, I may be using basically a, a WordPress template from like 10 years ago, but whatever. I own it. All the other Kevin Garcias, you can suck it. Exactly. You own it. And I'm your primo, Freddie. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. It's me and Mr. Monomythic himself. We're going to go ahead and just chat ab about movies, our thoughts, anything that comes up. Just kind of a free-for-all, if you will. But Primos, thank you guys. I want to talk about movies that don't get enough love and are okay. just now kind of like getting that kind of like, like groundswell of, of like attention. Are we talking about new movies though, Kevin? Because I could sit here and talk about <laughs> some old movies that need to be shown some more love. Oh, At yeah. least for this iteration, we'll cover some newer movies. You know what? I got an old one for you though. Okay. There, there's a movie from, I want to say, it's not that old. I mean, it's old to you know younger people, but it's not that old to me. Uh, it's called The Fall. And the thing I about the movie, movie, you know that one? Yeah, of course. I, lo I love that movie. That little girl in that movie. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah, movie. I love it. 2006, ahead, and it was just an amazing movie that never got the love it needed. And, and I think a big part of that is that it was uh, hit with an R rating that it did not deserve. Um, that movie should be at most a light PG-13. Um, all the violence in it is cartoon violence. There's no cussing. It, it's it's not a movie that should have been rated R, except that the director wasn't a famous you know guy with 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 pull in Hollywood. You know, if Spielberg had made that movie, it would have been PG-13. Yeah, it would have got an Oscar because his name was on it. But the fall is gorgeous. The visual effects alone are dope. Uh, it's a gorgeous story about the, I guess, a, uh, an actor, a stuntman, right? Here's how, I, here, here's how I describe that movie to people. It takes place around 1915, 1919, around the time area, and you have a guy who is telling a story, and the guy telling the story was raised on Western stories, you know, cowboys and robbers and and you know the old West, all that kind of stuff. So he's telling the story. But the little girl he's telling it to was raised in Asia. She's from Russia. She had friends from India and China and other places. So whenever he says something, she's visualizing it through the lens of her own experience. So when he says the Indian stroked his eyebrow, you have a, 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 a sick person who is stroking his eyebrow as opposed to what this guy was probably thinking of, which would have been a Native American. Native American. So I, I just the end result is this like beautiful just combination of images that has surprisingly very little cgi in it it's almost all just actual real world locations and it's just do you remember well it reminds me of i want to say a wes anderson film in a sense but because it's very whimsical at times right oh yes very but, much not 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 in in the tone that he puts no. in movies but in the visual uh language a little bit yeah definitely a lot of straight on uh, uh symmetrical shots you know a lot of big vistas where you're just kind of like taking in the environment as a character you know, definitely that. Great movie, The Fall. We definitely got to cover it a little more in depth next time. But I love that film. It's it, it takes your breath away just because you the journey you go through as the little girl and the way mm -hmm. she sees everything. Even though the character we mentioned, the gentleman telling the story to the young girl, his interpretation of what he's giving her is his way to cope with a a change. Tragedy, let's a just tragedy, say yeah, a yeah. tragedy, tragedy. Not to give it away and. Her interpretation of these people she's never even heard of, like she, he mentions uh, Charles Darwin. Oh, yeah. You don't want to. You want to know the craziest thing about that movie to me? 
before what? I knew what the movie was, I saw a random clip of it. And I saw that dude in this crazy fur coat, you know, talking to a monkey. And my brain just goes, Charles Darwin. And, and the guy looks nothing like Charles Darwin. There is nothing about him that if you know anything about Charles Darwin is Charles Darwin. But that's what my brain said. And then when I found out the movie and that guy actually was Charles Darwin, I was just like, I got to see this. I, <laughs> I don't know why when I saw this crazy guy in, in his crazy coat that I just like, that's Charles Darwin. I don't know why I had that thought in my head. But like, it happened. Primos, go watch The Fall. The director <laughs> is Tarsim Tar Singh. Yeah, Tarsim is what he goes. He usually just goes by the first name. Tarsim. Uh, yeah, Tarsim. He also did The Cell, which is not one of my favorite movies, but has great visuals. Uh, you know, that's the one where, um, uh, what's her name? Is that Jennifer Lopez is the, is the psychologist, goes into the serial yeah. mind. Yeah, you know? that's the one. Again, beautiful visuals. Um, D'Onofrio doing amazing work, but I don't like the story too much. The Fall, I love the visuals and the story. Phenomenal movie, though. Mm. And well, another, I guess I'll, I'll bring up a movie that I think doesn't yeah. get enough love or anybody knows about it. Uh, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's a it's a movie. Oh, do you know it? No, I've heard the name. Continue. So it's about a a, a young a young lady that walks home at alone at night, and she's actually a vampire, and she's seducing men to follow her back to her home. And it takes place in I want to say what country because it's not it's a uh, I want to say a Middle Eastern country or Asian country. Mm -hmm. Iran, it says. Iran. Yeah, there you go. And so she actually gets involved with like the town has like a mob presence, if you will, some kind of crime presence. And she starts seducing these men and ha happens to have one of these guys come along, ends up killing them. And the town is kind of searching out who murdered this guy, but she's just continuing to, to, to take random men home to, to feed off of them. But in one instance, she meets a gentleman that they have a connection and they just kind of fall in love. And it's not a, it's not a, she's not using him or feeding off of him. It's a more of an emotional connection. It's all shot in black and white. There's a lot of uh, great action sequences. I'll say it because there is a lot of blood in here. It's a vampire, but it also has a lot of, I would say appropriate, slow mm -hmm. set pieces because it builds tension and it builds this worry. And why is it so quiet when the whole world outside is going crazy? And it's called The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's pretty dope. You know, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned that, and and I'd heard about it. And I loved, I saw both versions of Let the Right One In. I I, I love the original more. And uh, th there's also the, another one, uh, The Only Lovers Left Alive with with Hiddleston and and, um, and Swinton. And the thing is, is, I love this idea of this, like, a, a different take on vampires or, or immortality and doing something weird with it, like, other than what you've seen, so definitely this seems like a movie yeah. I need to go check out. I need to go check. It's that a great. Out. It's an art art film. Uh, I, I hate to kind of preface these films that way, but that helps kind of set the tone. I you mean, have to kind of the other two I just mentioned, like Let the Right One In and The Only Lovers Left Alive. They're both very very slow movies, but they're beautiful in this kind of like heart wrenching kind of way because you're not going to either of those movies to see special effects of vampires or immortality. You're going to those movies to see how this situation affects the characters, which is. Honestly, you know, one of the things I love about superheroes and one of the things I love about about an action movie done well is when it's not just, you know, let's just see explosions, but like let's see a character go through the motions of where they would be emotionally in this scene. Well, 
this kind of segues right into one of the movies we wanted to talk about, guys. Before we get into that, guys, remember you can follow us at My Primos Podcast and know that we are a free show that comes to you week to week on any of your streaming services, but all it costs you, of course, is a like, share, and a subscription. Let the primos know we're out there, guys. Mr. Hector Rodriguez, El Peso Hero, that was on a show recently, said there's nothing like us on the web, Kevin Garcia. You know what? Have you heard that? Yeah, I, I believe it. But, you know, here's the thing. You just said that we are free. All it costs you is a like. And that's not true. You could listen to us without liking us at all. Ooh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be sad. We won't know you're there other than just the view going up. But, like, or the listen going up, I guess. But, but I mean, come on. Like us. Follow us. Exactly. We're, you know what? It is going to cost you something. Yeah, yeah. We're not that ugly, are we? I mean, I have a dope hat on. I don't know about you. Have a dope hat on. I know, right? I'm trying to make it my thing. I'm bald. <laughs> but guys, definitely follow us. Let us know what you think. And of course, I still haven't received any voicemails from you guys. I thought by now something would annoy you that Kevin's done or said. Maybe even Chikume. Who knows? But follow us. Let us know what you think. And Kevin, let's get right into it. The movie we're kind of insinuating about was Prey. Yeah, Prey. I love it. I I, I am a big fan of, of these kind of old franchise movies. It's kind of why I like Marvel so much is I love this kind of interconnected continuity and lore. I love Star Trek. You know, they had all those Star Trek movies. And I'll be honest, Predator films aren't always the best movies in the world, but I've always loved the the concept of Predator movies. And uh, out of curiosity, how many how many of the Predator films have you seen before this one? Have you seen them all or you missed them one or two? I would say I've watched them all, maybe one slip by here and there. <laughs> Uh, but I've seen what is it? Alien versus Predator, yeah. Predators, AVP, uh, AVP. Yeah, because my son loves the Xenomorphs. Yeah, of course. And so, of course, so he we went down that rabbit hole with all that. We saw everything. I think there's one more we haven't watched. Or the only making. one, only one I haven't watched is the Predator, which is the uh, the Shane Black one, which got really horrible reviews. Um, part of that is is there was some controversy during the filming, which I. I I don't agree with what he was doing, you know, where he was not being forthcoming with his actors with what happened. Uh, are you aware of that controversy? No. What happened? So uh, he had Olivia Munn uh, in there for, I don't know if she was going to be a big part of it or if she was in, in a scene or yeah, so. Yeah, I remember she was there. He had her yeah. in there and he had an actor where she was going to be doing, I think, a jogging scene. And this actor was going to make a comment like Wolf Whistle at her or, or some kind of comment. Sure. And, and then, okay. you know, it was going to be whatever it was going to be. But then she found out that this guy, ha it was a sex offender, and he'd been already previously, uh, I don't know if it was uh, convicted or if there's a plea deal or whatever, of being with, with uh, things involving a minor. And he's oh. been Shane Blacks. They've been friends for years. And, and Shane apparently defended him and stuff at, before this and was like, I'll give you a job. And he would just throw him into his movies like for little bit parts. And she's like, don't put somebody like that in this bit part with me without asking or telling me you know so she found about out about this through somebody else and it became a big thing they end up cutting the scene as i understand it but it's like why, why would you do that at all you know like i get it he's your friend i, I don't get it because he isn't that what it is though uh, sadly like it's always about <sighs> oh he's my buddy yeah that should he's be a friend of mine not be that should not be an excuse it shouldn't be you know it's like I knew somebody the other day that did something uh, really bad, and I and I talked to his friend, and I said, "Look, you're his buddy, right? Will you tell him about this?" And this guy, buddy goes, "Yeah, I'll tell him about it." And then a year later, that that first guy came back to me and goes, "Hey, how come nobody talks to me? What happened?" And I was like, "Did your buddy not tell you?" 
And so I had to tell him, and I'm not close with this guy. And I'm like, if you're his friend, if you claim to be, then don't pretend like it's nothing. Tell people this is what happened. Tell him this is what happened, you know? I don't know, man. It's always kind of goes back a little bit to what we talked about last show, uh, where it's sometimes hard to keep things or tell people the truth because you're worried about that fallout. You're worried about that that response. But if he is your friend and you go, hey, man, you know, you came off like an asshole or you, hey, you said this and it really offended somebody. Like, I'm trying to tell you this because I'm close to you and I'm your friend and we want to avoid you being in that tough spot. Right. But easier said than done for most people, at least. Yeah. But but the point is back to the back to the predator thing is that while I haven't watched that one and, and I probably will at some point because honestly this this prey movie may be more interested in the franchise again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my point was not that all the movies have been amazing, but that when I saw Predator 2 as a kid, my imagination ran wild. Not because it's an amazing movie, because it's it's a so-so movie, plus it has that really kind of silly early 90s plot, which was, in the late 90s, the gang wars will destroy LA, which, honestly, Predator 2. showed I up in multiple movies. Movie, dude. Yeah, it showed up in multiple movies. But Predator 2 is one of the ones where that was like the main setting, that the gang wars are destroying LA in the late 90s. I think but, people's, people hold that movie higher on the, on the list than it should be. Uh, well, I do for one reason, one reason only. What is that, it? The last 10 minutes, all right? I, I, the rest of the movie can you can throw it in a bin. I don't really care. But in the last ten minutes, when you have the 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 main predator has been killed and mm-hmm. and uh, and Glover's there and he's you know he's he's, he's exhausted, doesn't know what to do. And suddenly these other predators show up and he's like, oh, I'm I'm so screwed. And then they just say, you know, they respect him without a single word. There's no English coming out of their mouths. Well, I think there was some English, but it was like I can't remember yeah. what it was. It was that that mimicry that they do. Um, and 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 uh, just they respect him. And you could see from the wall of trophies that they had done so many. That was the first time we had a hint that they might have fought xenomorphs in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, although I don't think that they had the rights to show xenomorphs in that movie. So it was kind of like a very subtle hint. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had hints that they'd been coming to Earth for centuries. Uh, and they showed that gun, that 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 uh, pirate looking gun. And we're all like, oh, this is amazing. You know, what's uh, what, what's going to come next? And honestly, here's what, you know, little me did when I saw this. I was like, I want movies set in the past. I want a Predator movie set during the conquest in the Valley of Mexico. All right. I want a Predator movie set in the Middle East during the Crusades. All right. I want a Predator movie set in China during the Three Kingdoms. I want these Predator movies. Like, don't give me any more of this of like, well, can the family band together to save the camp? You know, we don't like the Aliens versus Predator. I won't think of yeah. like that. We don't need that. All right. I want historical events. I want a lot of these like where they're expanding and doing more with it. And and the funny part is I, I mentioned this to somebody online and, and the other person responded to me, well, but if the predator keeps losing over and over again in these different historical time periods, it's not believable that he, that they would have new ones coming back because it'd be too dangerous. And I'm like, dude, the predator race are these super macho hunters, right? They find some backwater planet out there that no one cares about that they can use the hunting ground. Oh, and it might be deadly. They're coming back every single time. It killed my uncle Jim Bob and it killed my cousin. I'm going next week. You know, that's what they're gonna do. That's what these predators are. That's exactly I would hate it if that was that was a translation that they had a southern oh, accent. You know that's exactly how the predators oh talk. my god. You, 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 you just got every time you hear the clicks now, you're gonna hear that voice. Yeah, you hear that yeah. and you're just gonna well, I think she may be over that ridge over there. Oh, that's you know? it. That's them spitting up dip. Okay, I got oh, you. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that green stuff, that's not blood. That's dip. That's dip. Makes sense. Yeah. But, but, but Prey... But my point uh, is, uh, well, time go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. And this movie did exactly that. This movie did exactly what I have always wanted. And the fact that it's getting all this critical praise tells me, hey, maybe we'll get more of this. I want more. My wife saw it and she's like, isn't this a TV series? When's the next episode? Like she couldn't <laughs> wait to see more. And me and Hector talked about it when he was on the show and he did mention the gun connection and how it jumps, you know, it kind of ties it back into the Predator universe. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, me and him kind of talked a little bit about it, but the movie's awesome. It's getting great reviews. People enjoy it, but there's also haters. Yep. There's also haters on this movie talking about that they've ruined what a predator is that this was the weakest of the predators and that this that's why the female lead was able to kill this predator and i was like wow the gall okay i got i got two things on that that pissed me off one is i've heard somebody say when i made that comment to them that i wanted to see all these like historical time period predators uh somebody told me well yeah i guess it'd be if all the weaker predators went and i'm like no that's not what i mean it's like well they lost so they have to be weak no, they're a challenge because they're hard. And in fact, uh, the other, the second half of this is that the creators of the film themselves have referred to this predator as a feral predator, which I, mm. I don't like. They're implying that in order for it to fight the Comanche, it, ha it had to be a more primitive version of a predator. And I'm like, no. Think about all the big game hunters you know. Now, I want you to think about the kind of big game hunter that's going to be using a bow instead of a gun in today's world that's who this guy is this guy is not the primitive hunter he's the one saying hmm i want to give myself a bigger challenge i'm going to use different weapons that's i think it was more so to kind of give them a a connection right between the tribe oh, yeah. and, and the predator like we're we're equal in the sense that we're of two of two groups of two kin of two tribes if you will right and to show the and i'm saying feral i wouldn't put it that way because even the Comanche tribe in this came off so like stoic. Yeah. Like well, they, you know. Well, we don't get to see the tribe interacting a lot except through the main character's eyes. Uh, you know, and so as I understand her brother that. and but, but, some but of the actually, hunting party. What what you said actually made me think of something else, right? So so you're saying that this makes a connection to them. I, I, I disagree because I feel like the predator we saw in, for example, Aliens versus Predator, that one okay. had a lot more of a cultural connection. In terms of you know uh, having an acknowledgement of tribes and clans and and of, of ceremony and all those things like that which this predator didn't show at all. This predator was just there to hunt, didn't care about any of that stuff. Or at least we didn't see it. Um, True. But, but you know what the connection is? Hmm. It's the familiarity aspect of it. You know, you ever um, you know how we have all of these like I don't want to get into conspiracy theories for a second. We have all of these like. Yeah, Chikuma's yeah, not here. So I know, right? That's why I feel bad saying it when he's not here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like alien sightings in the fifties and stuff. Well, that's because in the 50s, there was a lot of talk of aliens. Uh, if you go back to the 1800s, there were a lot of talk of like ghosts and spirits and stuff because there was a lot of talk of spiritualism. You go back to the 1700s, 1600s, there's a lot of talk of demons because that's what people are scared of, you know? Uh, so that it's just a matter. Now we have this idea of these uh, creepypastas, which are, are demons or ghosts or whatever they are. But people are like, oh my gosh, what if that's real? And the thing is, is that the predator that fought Schwarzenegger used guns. What did Predator, what did Schwarzenegger use? Guns, all right? Now, admittedly, his guns were lasers and stuff, but that is something that Schwarzenegger's character, uh, what was his name? Not Duke. Starts with a D, though. Was it Duke? I look it up. Yeah. Uh, but, but Schwarzenegger's character, he could, uh, he could conceive of that. He understood 
what that was intrinsically. Whereas if you showed a laser to people in the uh, in the 17, early 1700s, Dutch, would, Dutch, I know it started with a D, Dutch, uh, it, it wouldn't mean as much to people in the early 1700s. So instead, he's using basically a bolt caster. Now he still has some kind of a a, a aiming, yeah, but but he's primarily using these bolts which I think, again, says about a choice of weapon more so than a primitive uh, predator. I don't, I, don't, I don't like that term. Do you think that it's more so like he felt or they felt because you know, they felt that this is what would give me a challenge yeah, on exactly this planet? That. Exactly that. Like he sees humans as a – well, it's implied in this movie as you're watching it that he doesn't necessarily know he's here for humans. All right. We see that he's dropped off and the people take off. And then at the end of the movie, it's implied they come back. Right. Uh, but it's but if you follow him in the movie without any dialogue, it seems like he's trying to figure out what am I here to hunt? Snake. OK, not snake. Wolf. Not not wolf. Uh, there is there's a fight between him and, and the uh, and the, the puma, but they don't actually show that. So I'm not sure. Uh, and then we got the bear. OK, the bear. not the bear. Then he's like humans. Ah, this is what I'm here to hunt. So it doesn't necessarily mean that predators have never heard of humans, just that this particular predator wasn't sure what he was looking for. But he knew he wanted to give himself a challenge. So he's got different weapons. Um, that's that's the way I my, my head canon is. I don't I don't I don't I don't like this interpretation that these were a more primitive predator, which is the only reason a Native American warrior could to, to defeat him. I, that's ridiculous. Um I, I feel like this is just a predator who Well, not only that, like I get what you're saying, it makes sense, right? That Oh, this is the this is the most basic predator, and that's why the tribe was able to, to beat yeah, him or the stand a chance. Implication. I don't like that implication at all. I don't like that implication at all. I would prefer to think that the weapons he's using are just as deadly as any of the other weapons that they could use. In fact, uh, the one weapon that every predator has been known to have as their 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 card to like you know really pull out at the end is the that net. bomb. Well, the, or the bomb, bomb too. Yeah. And that bomb didn't get a chance to go off like he used a version of it but he didn't get the big bomb because once he's losing the fight she'd already cut off his arm so like he can't activate the bomb and i and i love that idea because it's like we who have watched the movies know that a predator who's losing would set off the bomb but because he can't get to it it never comes up because somebody of that time period could not conceive of a bomb that big of course know? not they know what it will there's no there there's nothing like it there's no reference point exactly but i really dug it because the lead character they were hinting at things like i was when she wasn't when she was wading through the mud mm -hmm. i was thinking okay this is where she's gonna this is the the dutch scene yes. covered in mud and i love that it never happened because i saw her go in the mud and i'm like okay are we just gonna foreshadow this I was just telling somebody the other day that I, I've got a lot of training in storytelling. I've taught English. I've got a master's degree in, in, in storytelling and stuff like that. And, and, and it's like, I can usually predict the end of a movie from the beginning. And yeah. that's one of those scenes that in a lesser movie would have just been, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying it's bad that a movie can be predictable. That's just, that's just part of storytelling, but yeah. I'm saying they didn't need to have that as a foreshadowing and they didn't use it as that instead. It was a red herring, man. Yeah. Well, no, but she did use it. But she used it to try to trap him, not to hide from him, because that never came up. Now, I love that when she did hide from his heat vision, it was a different, it was a something connected to her people that allowed yeah. her to hide from him, which honestly, eh, that's giving way too much credit. To, to but it that. took me a little bit, which is great. You couldn't just sit there and go, oh, here's another Predator movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was more like, huh, okay, why is that? Like, what is she doing? And it made me, I watched it like three times. 
And I was like, okay, like the plant, okay, the oh, the plant makes your body cold. And they mm -hmm. referenced it in earlier on, and he's cold, it stops the bleeding and, and all that. It again, right before she started doing it. And, and here's the funny part. You mentioned that it's not a regular Predator movie. Um, Predator, I have to go back and watch it, but I want to say in the first movie with Schwarzenegger, uh, the main characters know what they're facing about 30, 40 minutes into the movie. And in this movie as well, it's 50% of the runtime before you actually get to the Predator if you don't count the credits. Um, now, he's in the movie the whole time, but like she has no idea other than little tiny hints until 50% of the movie's done. So you don't get like Dutch having all this time to do all of these planning and then try to survive and, you know, working oh, but out. She was able to watch. I love it. I love she was able to watch, see how his weapon worked, understood the bolts and like, oh, that little laser does this. Like, I, 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 love, the, I love that. Every time he's going to use a weapon, she was somewhere nearby to be like, oh, that's what the shield does. Okay, got to protect from that. Oh, I love that. It was so good. So good. I think that it was very impressive because you're watching it. You watch these movies forever. You think you know it all. And then they surprise you. And then my son was like, like, does he was, he was putting things together in a sense, like kind of separated by, by set pieces. He's like, Oh, the helmet's gone. Does he need the helmet to aim at it? Like what happens if the, if the laser aims at a different location, wouldn't the bolts go that way? And then he was building the ending as we were going along. And I go, Oh shit, there it is. She tricked him, like she outsmarted him. Not tricked, outsmarted him, and and entrapped him. And she got the kill, you know, like she got the win. I would say, and I love it. I thought it was a great film. I I, I think that if it would have, there's hate on it because people love old stuff and they don't want to change it. They just love old things and want to relive the Schwarzenegger movie over and over again. But here we are whining that we need more Predator, right? But you're not willing to take these chances and give. Different actors a shot, you know. I love the I love that it was uh, the Comanche tribe. I heard that there's supposed to be there is a version you can watch it in Comanche. You know, it's a it, it's um it's a dubbed track. All of the actors recorded their lines. I'm assuming phonetically, like the way Vin Diesel does the Groot lines in other languages. Um, so it's not it's not like a refilm. Like like I think the Norsemen and some other shows where they will film it twice with different different uh, languages. Mm -hmm. This time they just dubbed it. I, I want to watch that version. I haven't seen it. Um, I'm, I'm fine with the fact that every time you hear English, you're technically hearing uh, the, the language of the Comanche. Um, actually, I do have a slight problem, and that is I watch every movie with subtitles. And Prey... Why? Did Hold on, let's slow down. Why do you watch it with subtitles? You're like... You learn so much more. Okay, so look, some subtitle movies, you're just going to get words that you could barely hear. And sometimes they'll say inaudible or barely audible because they don't want you to actually hear it. Um, but sometimes you'll get some really weird stuff like, oh my gosh, Stranger Things Volume 4 or Season 4, whatever it's called, Stranger Things Season 4. Uh, it has the funniest subtitles I have ever heard. It says like tentacles squelching violently. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why? Why did you need to say squelching? You didn't need to say that. But, but every now and then you'll learn something new that you didn't <laughs> know before. One thing that really annoys me from a lot of movies and TV shows is that when they, when they code switch, when they go from one language to another language, they just put in brackets, speak Spanish. So, like, um, for example, Maya and the Three, which is a which is a TV show designed to be multilingual. Every time a character says more than word, one word in Spanish, the stupid subtitles say "speak Spanish." And wow. no, just put the Spanish word. Somebody reading it should get the same benefit as somebody hearing it. If they know the language, they know it. If they don't know it, they don't know it. It's fine. This movie did that, and I appreciate that. Whenever they were speaking uh, the Comanche language, 
they were it was written down phonetically, not phonetically, it was written down in the modern written language. And whenever that you heard French, it was written down in French, right? So if you could speak either of those languages, you'd get more out of it. Here's where it failed though. Every time you had random background dialogue and it came from Comanches, it would say, tribes people speak. Mm. Every time the French people had random background dialogue, it said, people speak. Uh, as opposed to French. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? If anything, it should be the other way around when the French people are in like 10 minutes of the movie. You know? Why would you do that? That's that's that's, that's kind of racist, you know? It uh, is. I hear you. But so so on I the one it. hand, I appreciate that they treated the language like a real language, giving it full subtitles. On the other hand, I don't appreciate that little tribes people speak versus people speak. Um, it, it's, it's just... it. it they are tribe people. They're people in a tribe. They, they, that, is, that is their identity. But I think it diminishes them when you're just using a generic people versus, oh, but those are tribes people. Those are different kinds of people. I, I, I don't like that at yeah, all. Yeah, that is shitty. Um, I hear you. Because it kind of diminishes it and I, or separates it because it's not human being anymore. They're a tribe person as opposed mm -hmm. to a person. I hear exactly. you. So on the one hand, subtitles did a good job. Other hand, subtitles really messed up. I um, dug it, man. The movie's fun. I think it if anything, the one thing that I always I, I want to bring up is that there was a concern. Oh, this movie got popular because there was nothing to watch on Hulu, <laughs> right? Do yeah, you think if, if that, that was this thing true, would nobody be watching Hulu? Period. Not suddenly watching this, right? But did you think that this would have gotten the same attention if it had a theatrical release? Honestly, yes, I do. Um, I think um, I think that if this got a theatrical release, that um, would probably be a slow burn where if it didn't run against anything else, it would have gotten first place in the theater, but then it would have gradually got more and more attention. Um, I think though, this is weird. If it had gotten a theatrical release, I think it would be more financially successful, but uh, not that I know, not that I think it's, I have no reason to believe it's unsuccessful now. I just say that as, as, as just the nature of the business. However, because it is on a streaming platform that is, while not unpopular, is definitely not one of the most you know spoken about uh, you know TV uh, streaming networks because it was on that and got so much buzz. I think that it says a a lot for the quality and b encourages producers and others to say we should put more thought into this. Uh, and I hope they do. I hope it's as much as the ending of the movie lends itself to a direct sequel, and and I'd be fine. I would like them to make it. I don't. I, I want them. I don't want them to take the wrong message away from it. I don't want them to think only this movie could succeed. I want them to try with more of these kinds of experimental things with with uh, non-white casts and, and and say, hey, what else can we do with it? Uh, in fact, I, I wish this movie was a little bit more experimental. Um, we talked earlier about the connections between Predator Two and this. Yeah, I, I would have been happy if it never had a time code, a timestamp at the beginning of the movie, because like the beginning of the movie, we see her and. Comanche had been Comanche had been there for you know a thousand years. It could have been any time period. But then we see that metal trap. All right, so that narrows it down to a certain time mm -hmm. period. Um, and then when we eventually see the gun, well, that specifically says after which time period it is. I think it would have been fine to just have that. Um, but but it's okay. I don't mind. I don't mind them doing that. Um, it's a fun movie. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Hulu. And I think Hulu's been kind of, I mean, the place to go where you want to watch some of these weird or risk-taking shows used to be hbo right used mm -hmm. to be hbo where you'd go and watch these and then 
that's kind of hit a wall too because they're kind of just reiterating the same stuff that works. They're not taking chances as much anymore. I feel. Um, hey, I stopped. Have, I have one weird question about this movie before before we move on to the next step, and that is mm-hmm. a little question. Amber Mid Thunder, who played Naru, she's the main character. Did she look like anyone to you? Okay, I want no. you to get her face in your mind, and now uh, pull up a picture. That's how bad I am. And now right. Amber Mid Thunder is her name. And now the name Aubrey Plaza. There is a bit of Aubrey Plaza there. Oh my lord! The whole time I was like, well, "It's Aubrey Plaza. It's it's Aubrey Plaza." And then the crazy part is, I had forgotten they were both in Legion together. And I'm like, oh. "How can you have these two people that are, I swear, twins, but from different cultures <laughs> in the same That's TV awesome. show?" I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, it just freaked me out. All right, sorry. I should sidetrack. Back to what you're saying. You you were saying that if this was in theaters, it, it might have been different, how it would have been different. And that made me think of things like, for example, Nope and um, and other movies like that, where where this movie, if Nope had been released straight to um, streaming, I think mm-hmm. people would definitely watch it. Everybody loves uh, loves the movie uh, from, from, the, from the director. But it's like the fact that it could be in the theaters, be successful, but then gradually become more successful as time goes by because word of mouth spreads. Like, like have you seen Nope? I have not seen Nope. Why have you not nope. seen Nope? You need to go see Nope. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm waiting for it to hit streaming, honestly, to get out to the movie theater experience. And I thought to myself, like, there are some films that you don't want to, and this is not the right word, but, like, water it down by watching it at home because you're losing scope. You're losing the screen, the audio, just the visuals, right? Depending if it's film or if it's digital, regardless, like you're, you're losing something in the stream, right? No matter how much internet you pay for guys, I'm sorry, or whatever, AK TV you have. It's a different atmosphere. The atmosphere, the vibe, the, the, you're out there together, right? You're not, you're not going to be, there's something about the movie theater experience that lends itself for these films, right? But go ahead. But I mean, my point I watched a lot of films recently in the last few months in movie theaters and the Nope trailer came on every one of them. And the Nope trailer is so like, I don't know if it's purposefully misleading. Um, and it also got me to the point where like, I'm sick of this. I don't even want to see it anymore because of the trailers came on so much and the hype behind it, which I shouldn't hate on something for being popular. No, right? that that's a real that's a real phenomenon though. When 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 there's like too much hype for something, it can easily turn people off to something. I get that. And so now I hear things, and you'll share a little bit of your thoughts. And I hear things from other people. And my brother-in-law saw it, and they walked in going, "It's polarizing." They're like, "I hated it." One guy's like, "It's fire, best thing ever. I've watched it twice. I can't wait to see it again." Some are like, nope, I walked out of it. My sister walked out of nope and just left. This is boring and took off. But she also couldn't finish um, they. Is that what it is? Uh, the other uh, us? us? Yeah, I actually haven't watched us yet. I need I need to go watch uh, Jordan, Peter, Jordan uh, Peele's Us. Because she said that, and I told her, you know what? Maybe his style of film doesn't cater to you. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, right? It's not for everybody. But... I think he was due for a dip. And I think this is that dip that people are talking about, like the M. Night Shyamalan deal, where he's kind of mm. like, it's kind of his films aren't hitting the, the stride they thought it would. But that's I, I, what I've heard. And that's where I'm at right now. 
I want to address some of the things you said, uh, and and maybe you can build more off it as we go. Um, first off, I'm just gonna real quickly touch the last thing you said, which was that M Night Shyamalan dip. I can see that because having seen the movie, it is a very different kind of horror movie. In fact, to to whether it's fire or disappointment, to me, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Hmm. Because when I saw the trailers, I thought to myself, old school horror. Uh, uh, um, what do they call it? Uh, uh, disaster porn, you know, old school disaster porn horror. And and it was exactly that. Just like Prey is this kind of like old school action adventure, like something that we haven't seen in years because modern day movies, you need to see the monster now and the monster has to constantly be here. And here and in Prey, we don't see the predator's face until near the end of the film, which is the way it should be, right? Um, and, uh, and Nope is very much that. Uh, to the extent that having seen it, I feel like I could see Nope becoming a franchise where like there's a a, a, uh, a successive number of sequels where each one is of poorer quality than the last. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I could see that with Nope. I don't think they'll do that. I mean, I kind of hope they don't, but I gotta be honest, if they said Nope too, I'd be there. Um, because- it just can't be. You're a fan of camp, man. Well, like no, but that's the thing. It's not camp. It is, it, it is literally- if Spielberg or Coppola had made this horror film in the 70s, it would not have felt out of place. Now, don't get me wrong. The story takes place now. They have all the modern technology. You wouldn't have had a mostly black cast in the 70s, not unless it was going to be something different with it involved. Sure, sure. But like, in terms of storytelling and visual language of the movie, this feels like something of the era of, of Jaws or Close Encounters uh, um, where it's like it's slow by today's standards, but very fast by the standards of the '70s. But it has a lot of that visual language, and and I really love that. Um, I, I honestly did not feel lied to at all by the trailers. Um, it, it's not like an M Night Shyamalan of the what is the big twist? I mean, there is it's kind of a twist, but it's not really relevant to the plot. Um, it, it's really just here's the story we're telling and how people are reacting to it, and that's what makes it good. And then on top of that, there's additional story elements that aren't even hinted at in the trailers uh, that I think for a lot of people that have seen it, those are the parts they want to talk about. Mm. Things that are not, honestly, you could excise them and the main plot would still exist as is, but those are the parts they want to talk about. And, and I like that too, you know? Um, but, but the other thing I wanted to say is, which is that you said you wanted to wait to see this in streaming. I think that's the right choice. Because for a movie like Nope, you will not lose anything watching this by yourself in your bedroom that you would have uh, missed out, you know, watching it, have not having watched it in the theater, right? The difference for me is popcorn movies, all right? I don't want to see a Transformers movie that is not in the theater. Because let's be clear, those are all bad movies. But you, you want the explosions it, and everybody's cheering and laughing and it's, you know, it, you get into it. Like I just watched again for like a hundredth time that clip that somebody recorded in the theater of people cheering at the on your left scene in, in Endgame. Now <laughs> I, 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 have, I have no secret that I'm a, I am a hater of that movie. I will bash that movie repeatedly, but Oh my God, that scene, that scene and the hammer scene that came a little bit before it. Those oh, are yeah. the best scenes in any Marvel movie ever. Always got to cheer in the crowd, man. And if you watched that for the first time at home, it would not have been the same. 
So for a movie like Nope, for a movie, uh, Prey could go either way, to be honest with you. I, there are scenes in Prey that I laughed at out loud that I think would have been, I mean, they weren't super, it wasn't a comedy, but like there were a few scenes that got me to, to react, which is unusual for me. Uh, and um, if that was in a theater, I think there'd be an even bigger reaction. But um, so there are movies that I really believe need that theater experience, which is unfortunate in today's world with everything else going on. But but I don't think Nope is that. I think Nope you could watch it by yourself. You could watch it with some friends that are like-minded. I think you'd enjoy it, right? Because I have to watch it. I can't. I cannot trash it. I can, have not seen it, yeah. and I can't praise it because I haven't seen it. I was intrigued. I'm like, you know what? This is being done on a purpose. There's a reason why they're tossing this trailer at you. Now it's the goofy trailer. Now it's the serious weird trailer. Like you, you see this, and it's hyped up like crazy. And I see people from both camps. They're like, oh man best thing ever go watch it i watch it with you like they just want to see a reaction like you said mm -hmm. they want that oh is freddie gonna get that oh shit moment right that face like oh hey that excitement moment because we love sharing that feeling right like whatever we do question. uh when you're watching prey did you ever get an oh shit moment yeah i did okay i did um well since we're definitely doing spoilers on that one which uh what was the moment or, or can you name one i can name one it was the fact that she took his helmet. She was able to use the weapons yeah. against okay. him. I, I was thinking I didn't have one. You're right. That was an oh shit moment. When I realized what she was doing with the helmet. In yeah. previous versions of the Predator, the helmet laser was tied to a, a separately mounted gun. In this movie, it was tied to the helmet itself. Yep. So I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't that see it coming. And it's like, I didn't Whoa. either. Nice. Oh, that, you're right. That was an oh shit moment. Um, I will say there's not, I, I will say the oh shit moments in nope are, are different and i don't think it requires the audience i think you can get it by yourself you know what i mean and that's um, okay like I'm, I'm okay with watching a movie at home because there's a, a plus I'll, I'll kind of walk into our next film we want to talk about because it kind of ties in i watched everything everywhere all at once at home but i was pissed at the first part i didn't want to watch it at home i wanted to watch it on the big screen i wanted to experience that because one i wanted to support the film mm -hmm. right like I wanted, I wanted this movie to kind of blow up because I, I dug the vibe, I dug the energy, I love the casting. I was like, oh shit, this is, you know, this is right up my alley. I love multiverses. I love the idea. I love Michelle Yeoh. I love the actors in here. Dude, Data is in it. In the Goonies. You know what I mean? Like this is, and Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Like it's a great cast, and I was actually very happy to watch it at home for two reasons. And we can, we're gonna go into spoilers and all this, right? Yeah. Um, I was able to watch it with my family and it was an intimate moments that are very heartfelt in this movie that we were able to sit in a, our, ourselves in our bedroom watching it together, all three of us and kind of go, damn and kind of pause or kind of go back and go, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did she say? How does this work? Like, you're not asking each other questions like in the middle of the movie theater, interrupting people. You can go back and go, wait, what did she say? Look what she did. Do you see what she did? Like, and we start building the puzzle, helping it make sense as we move through the story. So we were able to piece it out, enjoy it at our speed. And actually was pleasantly enjoyed, surprised that I enjoyed it at home more than I would have in the movie theater because of that. Honestly, that makes me think, because I feel like while I said, nope, I enjoyed watching the theater, I feel like you could get just as full of an experience watching it at home. 
And I made the comparison to like, you know, Endgame, where that needs to be a popcorn movie the first time you watch it. I feel like everything everywhere all at once literally goes both ways. Like there is so much of the movie that you said, like you said, it's intimate parts that like you need to really absorb and take in and seeing it with your family makes it even more powerful. But then there's like hot dog fingers and talking rocks. Okay. Can and, we talk and, about hot dog fingers for a second? Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. But that's my point. When you get to that kind of stuff, Oh my Lord, the audience goes nuts and that adds to it. So I think that movie would have a perfectly valid experience at home and a perfectly valid experience in the theater, I just feel like it's a different experience. Does that make sense? I hear you, because you're going to get that moment where everybody goes, oh, my God, <laughs> what are they doing? Oh, I love hot dog fingers. And then when they, I go hated into, hot dog fingers. when they go into more depth and give you the origin of hot dog oh, fingers, <laughs> I, I, I will admit, I did not need the origin of hot dog fingers, but I'm happy that I have the origin of hot dog fingers. <laughs> No, I didn't need ketchup and mustard. Okay. I was I was okay. <laughs> I was guys, this, this is spoilers again. Where this is adding yeah. this is all spoilers, my primo. You got warning, warning, warning. <laughs> I was okay with it up to putting it in their mouths and biting their fingers off, and you get ketchup and mustard, and it was a orgasmic experience in a sense. <laughs> I was okay. that was one, and number two. I could do without the ketchup and mustard too. I will not lie, but at the same time, it was something else. It was weird for being weird, and I loved it for that. <laughs> yes. But the fact that the, the ketchup and mustard threw me, I was like, you, "That killed it for me." And that <laughs> scene alone, right? Because look, the Rakakuni was there for five minutes, and it was awesome. Oh no, no, no! That's the thing about Rakakuni. It started off as just a verbal gag, and you're like, "Oh, that's kind of funny," and then they showed it. And then a little bit later, it's important to the plot. And then a little exactly. bit later from that, she used what she learned from it to become part of the plot. I'm like, what the hell? Why, awesome. why is a, but, a parody of a Pixar movie in this movie? <laughs> tell me, as a writer, as a guy that consumes so much content, you didn't see it coming. The trophy. Okay, the trophy. I, uh, I didn't see it coming as much as other people did. So my, a friend next to me goes, as soon as I saw that, I knew it was going to go up somebody's butt. Um I, I, I did. I did see it coming a, a bit, uh, but but the part that I did not see coming was the return of the Rakan Rakantui or whatever it was. Rakakuni. Uh, Rakakuni. Yeah, Rakakuni. I did not see coming back as not only a repeated gag, but a repeated gag that became plot essential. You know. But yes, um, the, the, another friend of mine said that she could have done without the trophy scene. Uh, she she also didn't like the hot dog fingers, but it was the trophy scene that was just too much for her. Uh, I will admit, I don't. I don't laugh too much at scatological humor. Uh, so uh, you get a trophy up the butt. And I'm not, I'm not squeamish by any means. Like I, I can watch something and laugh. Look, I like dick and fart jokes like anybody else too. Like I will, I will accept what it is because you have a vision and it's a gag. It's a joke. It's supposed to be something off-putting on yeah. purpose, right? Yes. Like in bad taste, right? You know, when we look at like um, divine remember that whole thing yeah, like, yeah, with, of course, like of course. you know the whole uh eggy 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 yeah, yeah we're talking all, about all the john waters movies the yeah. john waters films that are, are in bad taste right they're supposed to be like, in your face the movie bad taste no the movie bad taste it's literally bad taste um i'm okay with that i went to film school 
I can dissect the film and say there's a reason for it, right? And it's fun. It's supposed to be off-putting because it's supposed to kind of test the the waters as to what we can do next, right? Well, let me ask. And, was it too much for you? What, like, like not too much like you couldn't handle it, but too much like you could have you would have rather not had the trophy scene and the hot dog scene. I I would have gone as far as you can put it in your mouth. You could even leave the butt plug scene, but it was the ketchup and the mustard that got me. <laughs> like I said, my friend said it was the butt plug scene that was too much for her. Um, my wife too. She says unnecessary, and then there was two of them. Like, yes. come on. Yes, that that honestly, I think one would have been sufficient. Um, and and I honestly, think, yeah. but 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 I have a silly reason for saying one would have been sufficient, and that is personal experience. <laughs> my reason is that in the in the in the logic of the movie mm -hmm. doing an unexpected thing can throw off reality so it makes sense that one guy's unexpected thing was sticking a trophy up your butt but it doesn't make any sense that another guy in the same room would have the exact same unexpected thing because once, the same thing yeah because once one guy has done it it's not unexpected anymore but that being said it wasn't meant to be taken seriously that part was meant to be a joke like like for example if you look at um the villain's powers uh, none of that made sense. None of that was like, oh, well, in one reality, I'm a luchador. In another reality, your head is a balloon. You know, that makes no sense. But at the same time, I'm here for that. Uh, that whereas um, if, if that kind of nonsense showed up in uh, Nope, I would not be for it. If that kind of nonsense showed up in Prey, I wouldn't be for it. But in this oh, movie, no. in this movie, that kind of nonsense added to the drama, you know? Uh, I, I was. I think we had a conversation the other day about um, Guardians of the Galaxy having that that bathos that people sometimes complain about. That that so many Marvel movies they, they do something serious and then joke about it. Yeah. And while while I do think uh, that was a bit of a problem in um, in the one that just came out, which one was that? Thor. Love and Thunder. Yeah, it was a bit of a problem in Love and Thunder. Um, it's still a good movie overall. That was a bit of a problem. I don't feel that's a problem at all in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, my people's podcast gave it a four out of five. By the way. Exactly. That's why I liked it. Uh, the, the, I, I always trust my Primo's podcast. They they know how to rank things. But the, the thing is, is that um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they never had a problem with that kind of tone shift. It would be dramatic joke, dramatic joke. But the jokes were part of the drama. And in this case, that campy, silly, over-the-top, like cartoon, not even cartoon logic, cartoon illogic, you know, that was part of the drama. You know, when they turned into rocks, the rocks talked to each other and that's what they had to do and i was okay with that i liked that um, the rock scene <laughs> hits at a very emotional tone like this movie rides that wave man of emotion like it throws the ridiculousness of the human mind and the worry and the stress and the what if, right? Because we have all had those thoughts like, well, well, fuck it. What if I just got audited and didn't give a shit anymore? Take it all. You know, like, what? Well, okay, fine. I It broke my heart and talk about this movie a little more in depth. Maybe I don't let her show, but that the one character or the one version of her, the main character, that is the one, quote unquote, is the character that made every bad choice, apparently. No. It is not the character that made every bad choice. It is the character that considered every bad choice and second-guessed herself. Because the character that made every bad choice is the one who was the mother of the villain. 
Mm, that character, that's true. That character flat out made every bad choice. The, the main character we follow, she wanted to be a good person. She's basing this on her knowledge of the world. She's basing this on the knowledge that her parents instilled in her. She's basing this on her hopes and dreams. And the fact that she didn't give up on those hopes and dreams, the fact that she doesn't like, for example, the movie opens with her and her daughter uh, who clearly have a, a bit of a strained relationship. And, and I was worried about a um, what often happens in, in movies where they're going to have an LGBT side character where there's just like a, well, it's because the character doesn't accept them or whatever. And she's trying really hard to accept them because she knows she should and she loves her daughter. But at the same time, she's worried. What would grandpa think? You know, what what would happen? He's old anyway. He's going to die. I, I, I shouldn't make a big deal out of it. So she's making the wrong choice, not out of deference to her daughter, but out of deference to her dad. And her dad's not a good person either. But the thing is, is like, but I don't think it's more like purposefully hard. making the choices, right? Right. We've all hard, and you can see them in her. Like she's each time she makes a bad choice, even the ones that she made before the film, you can tell that she was trying hard to figure out what the right choice was. And I think by seeing all these silly alternate realities, she got to have a view of what those choices should or could be. And what I'm saying is that that's maybe my phrasing of it, but I, I think we're on the, you're, that's a great, I guess, interpretation, right? How I look at it is, just like you and me, we've had situations where we have to make a choice. We think about it, we worry about it, we fucking sometimes at the last minute gut and you pick something and it doesn't work out. You're like, shit, not the right choice, okay? Same thing happens, but it was sad because for me, I took it as, We've all been in the position. She's the extreme version of us going through our lives, like woulda, shoulda, coulda, right? And her woulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda ended up with all these failed attempts and what could have been. But I I went left instead of going right, right? All these what ifs. And they all ended up being, in a sense, the bad choice per se to put her in the particular spot she's in right now. And so when I watched this film and see her, I said, damn, it took all the mistakes for her to find the right path. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's kind of how I interpret it. And, and I think that the fortunate part of this movie is that her bad choices had affected other people. You know, it directly affected her daughter in major ways. Mm -hmm. It also affected her husband in ways that we saw. Uh, even to a weird extent, it affected the lady from the IRS. I mean, I'm not saying she was a good person, but like, you know, you always hear that thing of you don't know what struggles somebody else is going through, but her not having straightforward answers makes her job harder, which makes the lady from the IRS even more frustrated. And the fact that she keeps giving her second and third and fourth chances tells you that as much as the movie paints her as the bad guy, she doesn't want Michelle Yeoh's character to fail. But Michelle Yeoh is not making it easy on her, you know? Um, I, I also think it's interesting that, like, what is presented as the good choice, which is her becoming a movie star who's also a kung fu expert, mm -hmm. um, is so shown as a, low, as, as a lonely choice, you know? It's not, there's no straightforward right answer. Uh, I had a, I'm going to become personal history here for a second. I had a uh, college professor once. Worst college professor I ever had. I will not... Uh, no bones about that. Opened up class by saying, my wife left me. Daughter hates me. 
wants you to write an essay about all the mistakes you made in your life and how much better your life would be if you'd done them differently. I wrote him an essay saying, I have no regrets. I have made a lot of mistakes <laughs> in my life, but those mistakes created me. Those mistakes are who I am. All right. Um, it's like, uh, I, if I go back and change history, so I never made those mistakes, I wouldn't have learned from them. I wouldn't have figured anything out. Um, so it's like, I feel like in her case, she wanted to be a singer. She wanted to be a writer. She wanted to be whatever she wanted to be, but she put it aside for what she thought was the right choice, which was keep the business afloat to protect the family. Mm -hmm. In doing that, she hurt herself by not allowing herself to follow her dreams. She hurt her husband by never giving him time so she could listen to him. She hurt her daughter by never opening up emotionally to her. So she fully thought at the time, struggled over the, like even in the little bits of the beginning before everything really kicks off, you can tell that she put so much thought into what is the right choice and she made the wrong ones. Do you think but, that it's more of a, like the theme of the, of the, of the film, there's many of them, but it feels as more so of a cautionary tale to just be you, take that risk. Is it more along the lines of because you can't be overly cautious, you have to you have to take those chances because either way it's a bad or you never know. Either way, it's gonna go good or bad regardless. Like take that chance, don't second guess it. Because if you're just hesitant to not do what you want to do, because it feels like what you're saying, she put everything she wanted to do on the back burner. And that instead of saying no to singing, I got the karaoke machine and it's there just in yeah. case. Which, by the way, it, uh, a really good tax assessor would say that is still business related. I don't. I. I. I all you sound those, like personal experience, Kevin. I am all those all those purchases <laughs> that she went through. I'm like, why aren't those part of her business? No, she doesn't run a karaoke business, but she runs a, a community business where she reaches out to the neighbors. Karaoke machine helps to that. I don't see the problem there. But anyway, beside the point. Um, the theme, the theme you mentioned is good, but there's another theme. I, I don't remember who I heard this from some, some other podcaster or, or, uh, somebody on NPR or something was talking about it. And the comment was, um, that between this movie and turning red and Coco and Encanto, you have this whole series of movies made by millennial creators that are all about how my parents didn't listen to me. And boy, if they only listened to me, the world would be a better place. And mm. there's something very cathartic about that. <laughs> In a way, right? Because it's... Also, yeah, and, and by the way, it's not just millennial creators, but it's specifically millennial creators, uh, often with some kind of a um, of an immigrant history in their family, uh, one or two generations back. Um, you get a lot of this because there's... I, I, when I used to teach on the border and I showed my students who, had, who you know, grew up in Mexico, a lot of them, movies from India or China, they saw a lot of you know, similarities to their, to their own lives, because there's a lot of similarities to a lot of cultures around the world. And the idea that so many of these young directors are basically making these movies where they're working through their parent issues on screen. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. I think it's, it's funny. But I think it, I think it is cool. I think there is something there to that person's credit that is there because we're always trying to, to some extent, we're trying to, gain some sort of approval from mom and dad like some and even if it's a minuscule thing and if you think you don't need it great but some microscopic speck of it even as a kid teenager you do care what mom and dad think of what you're doing right mm -hmm. especially how i grew up i can speak from my personal experiences it would break my mother's heart but i learned 
because I was with a kid, I thought I'm breaking her heart every time I get in trouble. I'm breaking her heart every time the police brought me home. I'm breaking her heart because I didn't pass my grades or I didn't go to this four-year school. You know, I went to film school and the worry in my mother's eyes, like, what the <laughs> fuck are you going to do there? Are you going to watch movies for a living? You should buy well, a video store instead. Um, what so I'm getting to is I, the parent thing does make sense, but we also grow through that and we look back and go man my mom is just another fucking adult i love her to death she's important to me but she's another adult that has made her choices that has a whole nother universe of thoughts ideas emotions that i'm just i'm a part of i'm a big part of it because i'm a child in her eyes i'm her child but i'm not the only part of her life and that lets you break away and kind of figure you know what i can make these mistakes that we see Michelle Yeoh character do. You know, we can make these trial and errors and go try the, the, these things and be free. No hot dog fingers for me. Thank you. But <laughs> what I'm getting at is you outgrow it. And yeah, the film does touch on that. I think why we see these films being made now by younger creators coming from an immigrant background, we've always been taught to survive. We've always been taught to take care of yourself. Don't be, don't be special. Just blend in, assimilate. Yep, big one. But that's not the thing, man. We're not about assimilation. We're fucking loud. We're we're here. We have to be seen. I, that's beautiful, man. You 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 are bringing a tear to my eye right now, which everybody on the podcast cannot hear. But it's a visual. Oh, it's visual, beautiful. guys. Visuals. His tears flow like rain. Flow like rain. Flow like rain. But Kevin, I mean, love this film. I dig it. I know we'll we'll give it a. I mean, you love it. I love it. I mean, I don't. We're not, we're not going to do a ranking per se, but I think we're we're in unison saying it's a great film. I, I, I think uh, the, mm -hmm. the two movies we focus on the most here, Prey and Everything Everywhere All at Once, both of them are uh, beautiful films with uh, largely non-white casts that cover subject matter that ten years ago would have had to have had an all-white cast. Uh, just 10 years ago, like people will think, oh, like the 70s or the 50s or the 60s. No, just 10 years ago, it would have been hard to produce a movie that is an action movie fighting aliens or a sci-fi movie going through reality jumping and not starring Casper Van Dien or something. You know, you you would you you have these movies that are just so well done, so well done that have depth to them. You know, uh, I don't think Prey, for example, doesn't have a ton of depth. But it does a really beautiful job covering um, the basis of, of an adventure film in a way that really hasn't been done in a long time, uh, but from a new perspective. And then you have the opposite with Everything Everywhere All at Once, where it takes a topic that's kind of in a lot of movies lately, Spider-Verse and, and, and uh, Multiverse of Madness and everything else, but does it in a way that's never been done. And uh, at least never in, in a film. I mean, I'm sure you could find some comic book or, or literary uh, comparisons, but but in a film, not like this, not like this, and I love them. I, I want I want more of this. I love it. I think that we're in a time like we talked about where we're able to see these expressions, right? That's why we love comic books and indie comics, right? Like we're able to get to the point where we can see somebody's crazy wackadoo idea on a page and go, "Oh shit, I love it," and you can read it and go, mm, "Not so much," and that's okay. Yeah, it's not just and like I said earlier, my sister when walking out the movie. Maybe it's not for you. I don't know if Nope's gonna be right up my alley, but I at least got to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, right. And just to be part of the conversation and what we do here on a week by week basis. But 
I'm just literally interested because I love his Jordan Peele stuff. I love him on Twilight Zone. Um, you know, he's writing that for Paramount Plus. He writes the Twilight Zone episodes. I love his shit. Shoot, you know, I and saw, I saw Paramount Plus for another month. I should go watch that. Go watch it. It's fucking dope. Yeah. Um, and I dug Get Out. Like shit, you know who didn't, oh, yeah. right? So yeah. I gotta, I gotta see what this is about. If it's not for me, it's not for me. I will tell you right now, nope, it's not Get Out. Two entirely different films, and that's fine. People grow, people change, right? Even this show has gone through changes, right? Mm-hmm. Season to season, we've changed, we've uh, gone ups and downs. Here we are on the latest reiteration. How many years have you been doing this? Five years. Fifty years. Wow. Wow, feels that way. I lost all my. I had a full head of hair. I had a pompadour. I had a stripe through it. I was all psycho Billy. It was dope, man. Should have seen it. I had a pompadour in high school. It was ridiculous. It was cool, man. A quiff. No, no, no one thought it was cool. <laughs> Everyone thought it was cool, man. No, no one thought mine was cool. Cats. No one thought mine. Was went, cool. If you were in LA, it was cool. That's you were right. like in Nebraska, right? No, nah, no, nah, I was in South Texas for most of that. But yeah, 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 yeah. In Nebraska, yeah, Texas. Yeah, yeah. But whatever, whatever, whatever. I digress. Kevin, man, it's always a blast getting to talk to you. I'm glad since you've joined the Primos here, man, I've seen this show kind of elevate if I haven't told you this. And I feel that you just click with us, me and Chikume and Edin and everybody that's involved. I love the I really appreciate you, man. I love it. I love talking about the topics. And any chance to geek out is a good chance. You got to take it. You got to take those opportunities when you're deciding, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? And it's like, do I appear on my Primo's podcast? You take that. Otherwise, you're in the bad universe. There you go, man. No number of paper cuts between your fingers will save you. Primo's now, that being said, watch. sticking a trophy in the right spot might save you, but no, I would rather choose my Primo's podcast over the trophy. So you're I saying you'd rather, you'd rather appear on my Primo's podcast than, than, a, than yeah. a trophy up your butt? When okay. it comes to one or the other... I'm going to choose my Primo's podcast every time. And you can put that on a bumper sticker. Literally. Skume, let's get t-shirts made and make it happen. Primo's, of course, you guys can listen in week to week. Let us know what you think. I want to hear some of that hate mail. I love it. I want to hear it. Uh, Let us know your thoughts or if you want to be part of it. Let us know at my Primo's podcast. Let us know you are creative. You have a project coming out. Let us know. Reach out. We can have you on the show. Chat. We're all about representation. We're all primos out here in the world, guys. Let's make some noise. We're no longer the quiet minority. Let's make some noise. Let's get out there. Primos, adios. Bye!